Amen. Good morning. How's everybody doing? I got one. Woo. All right. I thought most of you were going to feel like you need an extra hour of sleep this morning or something, but man, I'm so glad you're here. What a blessed day to be in the house of the Lord. I'm grateful and uh, thankful for each and every one of you. Uh, God is, is doing great things in his kingdom. Amen. Uh, I'm excited uh, this next week as our students uh, prepare to go on their mission trip. That's going to be just an amazing trip and uh, pray for them and uh, as they prepare for it. It's not going to be an easy trip. They're going to do uh, some things that are going to be uh, extremely uh, difficult on them. So, so pray for uh, them to be strengthened as, as they go. Uh, so that's, uh, they'll leave next week, and then uh, I'm excited. We are just uh, three weeks away from our unashamed crusade. Uh, God has just got great things in store for this church, and uh, I hope that you are ready. Uh, I think that as we prepare for these times uh, of emphasis on the church, we need to uh, check ourselves. Uh, we need to look at the core of ourselves and the core of the church, and, and uh, are we doing exactly what God has called us to do. So today we're going to look in Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4 and verse 18 is, is going to be where we start today. But before we get there, we're just going to do something uh, to kind of uh, warm you up and, 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 to, and to get you ready. All right, We're going to do a, a word association game this morning and uh, to get your minds thinking. Okay, So when I say uh, a word, I, I want... Whatever the first thing is to pop in your mind, just think about that, all right? So, so here we go. We're going to start off. The first thing, remember, just think about the very first thing that comes to your mind. What is the first thing that comes to your mind when I say the word Jim? Jim. All right. Was, was the first thing that popped in your mind a guy you know named Jim? Or was the first thing that popped into your mind a place where you worked out? All right. It could, could be go a couple different ways. All right. You're, you're starting off pretty good there. All right. How about this word? What is the first thing that comes to your mind when I say the word vegan? That's a hard one, isn't it? <laughs> That's a hard one. Some of you are like, what is that? All right. So, hey, all right, here's an easier one. What's the first thing that comes to your, to your mind when I say the word sooner? Oh, I got, got, got a couple boomers in there. Got a couple boos in there as well. All right. How, how about cowboy? <laughs> got a woo. All right. I, this one, this one may be a little bit more uh, interesting for you. What what comes to your mind when I say the word Star Wars? <laughs> Did you think of the original stuff, the you know with Chewbacca and, and Han Solo, or did you think about the new ones? All right, what, what came to your mind when it came to Star Wars? That's good stuff. How about this? What comes to your mind when I say the word thunder? All right, did, did a cloud and a, a, a thunderstorm come to your mind, or was it Russell Westbrook? 
All right, most of you were with Russell. All right, good stuff, good stuff. All right, so I've got you all primed and ready, all right? Now, this next word is is what we're really going to think about this morning, all right? What comes to your mind when I say the word Christian? Christian. You know, in our world today, it's kind of difficult to define Christian. You know, uh, there's a, a Bible teacher in Atlanta named Andy Stanley who was asked this question, and he said this, if you ask 10 different people, you will probably get nine different answers, at least here in America, what it is to be a Christian. You know, if, if you just stop and you ask people on the street, uh, are you Christian? You get all kinds of different answers. You'll get a, oh, yes. You'll get some people who say, uh, what do you mean uh, by that? You have other people that say, well, yes, but. You'll have others say, no, but. You'll still have others say, yes, but I'm not like, yeah. And you'll have some that say, uh, I became a Christian at such and such age. Or you'll have some people say, I was, I, I've been a Christian all my life. Uh, and then there are some that will say an emphatic no. There was one guy who was asked this question, and he, his response was this, No, I'm not a Christian. Christians are judgmental, homophobic, moralist who think that they are the only ones going to heaven and secretly relish the fact that everyone else is going to hell. I think there's no question that in our world today there is great confusion over what it is to be a Christian. Uh, and I think that this confusion is, is brought forth by, by Satan and his great ability to confuse people and, and to interact in people and to mislead them from the truth. Did you realize that the very first followers of Jesus Christ were not recognized as Christians? The church did not come up with the term Christian. In fact, the term Christian was a derogatory term. It it was an insult. It was brought up by people who were outside of the Jewish community. In Acts 11:26, we see the Bible that in the Bible that it tells us that at, it was at Antioch where the disciples were first called Christians. Christian, the word Christian means little Christ. What what we get is here is a picture of of, of Paul walking down the street and some people saying, well, there comes little Christ. There comes little Jesus. The guy who acts like he thinks he's Jesus. You know, it's a term of, 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 of kids just calling out and calling names to somebody else. But... You know, when somebody calls you a name, sometimes it's not a bad thing, is it? It, it might have been meant to be a bad thing, but what we did is, and what they, the first followers of Jesus did was they took that and they said, well, what a compliment. Amen? 
What a compliment. I mean, you meant it to be derogatory. You meant it as an insult, but wow, you really think that I'm acting as, as a little Christ? What a great honor. How awesome is that, that you would, you would respect me in such a way that, that I'm living a life that shows you and is pointing you to Jesus Christ. It, when we're living as Christ lived, it's an honor to be called a Christian. Amen. But did you know in the Bible, the word Christian only appears three times? On the other hand, what we see there is is that the disciples were first called Christians at Antioch. 281 times in the Bible, it refers to disciples. So, the problem in the confusion that we see around the world is that people have began to spin their own idea of what Christ looks like. There's so many people who will say, have, have you ever had anybody tell you this? Well, well my, my, my Christ would never do that. Referring to the Bible. And that's the problem is, is there is only one Christ, and that is the Christ of the Bible, amen? So, so the problem with the confusion in the world is, is that they're not seeing disciples of Jesus Christ. They're not studying Jesus Christ. They're not living their life unto Christ, and therefore, but they're still calling themselves Christians. And there is this great confusion. Well, what is a Christian? The problem out there is that there are many people in giving themselves the term Christian which aren't disciples of Jesus Christ. Actual disciples of Jesus Christ love him and keep his commandments. And we also realize that we falter in this, and none of us are perfect, and we fall down, and we need Christ's grace upon us to lift us back up time and time again. Amen? So, so that's what brings us to Matthew chapter 4, verse 18. We see right here Jesus calling his first disciples. Matthew 4, 18, it says this, While walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he had said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and they followed him. And going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. And he called to them. Immediately they left their nets and their father, and they followed him. Let's pray. Father, uh, we thank you again for your word, your scripture. Father, we pray that you would, you would enlighten us to know the truth this morning by your word. And Lord, that you would use it as a lamp unto our feet to follow you each and every day of our lives. God, we pray this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. You know, I, I remember as a young Christian reading uh, this text and, and thinking about that. 
I was I was pretty confused reading this text and thinking about it because I mean like who does that right who who just follow somebody when they just made them and they said come follow me I mean it, it just didn't quite make a whole lot of sense to me and then you know we grew up and we watched how many of you remember those those old B movies of of Jesus right and I mean you had, you had Jesus walking along the seashore in this white robe with the blue sash right you guys remember that and and he had the the old the, the long uh Ric Flair hair you know and, and, and then it, it just showed, it showed him like staring at Peter. And then Peter just dropping the nets and following him. It just didn't make a lot of sense to me. I don't know if it made a lot of sense to y'all, but I, I, so, so I've always kind of wondered about this. And, and then I started to learn more about the history and the culture, uh, uh, the Jewish culture, and, 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 and there, there's some awesome things here. Did you know that all Hebrew boys went to Torah school? And starting at the age of five, uh, the little boys would go to Torah school. When they, for the first day at Torah school, school they, w- they would get them all there, and then they would, they would set them there, and, and they'd be looking up at, at, at the rabbi or, or the, 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 the synagogue leader, and, and they would open their mouths, and they would drop in a dab of honey. You know, for, the, for many of them, being growing up in the, uh, this poor region, for many of them, it was the first time they had ever had anything sweet. And then they would begin to read Genesis to them. And, and, and it made an impact upon them that God's word is sweet. How awesome is that? It, they would study from age 5 to age 10. They would study the Torah. The Torah is the first five books of the Bible, right? And they would study it, and they, 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 they would come to master it. Then the best of those students, the best of those students at the age of 10 would remain either in the school or they would go back home and just uh, start living and, and work in the family business. And then at the age of 17, the best students, the students that wanted to make a career out of religious studies, they would go and they would find a rabbi that they liked, that they admired, and they would go and they would apply to be his, his, his learner, his, his uh, Telmadi. They would find this rabbi and they would go. How they applied was they would go and they would sit at his feet. And by, by sitting at his feet, they, they made this request to be a learner of him. And then that rabbi would, would begin to examine uh, that student. He would question him. He, uh, he would look at him. He would see if he was worthy to be his disciple, his Talmudid. Now, if he chose him... That, uh, that student would live with him. He, w- he would go with him. He, w- he would be devout to him. He would learn everything. You know, we have to understand that in this culture, in this time, uh, kids did not grow up wanting to be NFL stars or play in the NBA. Their dream job was to be a rabbi. 
that was the greatest job that you could have. And that they wanted to do this. That was the dream. So the best of the best of the children of the students would come to the best of the best of the rabbis. And those rabbis would choose the ones that they wanted. They would begin to, to, to ma- uh, 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 memorize their actions and, 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 and everything they did, how they ate, their mannerisms, everything about them. You know, the greatest compliment a Talmudid would have uh, in this time was for somebody to say this, wor- th- this phrase, the dust of your rabbi is all over you. What a weird example, right? But that meant that you were just like your rabbi. One of the last things before we move on about rabbis in this, t- in this time period is this. There were some rabbis that were known as Shmiha. Shmiha. Go ahead, you try it. Shmiha. Everybody together. One, two, three. Sounds pretty good, doesn't it? Shmiha. You know what the word shmiha means? It means authority. Authority. There were just certain rabbis that had the shmiha. They were masters of the Torah. They, they, they spoke, when they spoke the Torah, they spoke it with authority. They, they, were, they were known as the people who knew God so well that they could actually introduce a new insights to the Scripture. That was something that was very, you didn't do it unless you knew exactly what you were talking about because it, you know, the Jewish culture is very structured. The, but to have the shmiha, you also had to be recognized of doing miracles. They did miracles. And then the third thing that, that made you or gave you shmiha was that two other rabbis that had shmiha said that you had shmiha. So this became like the ultimate club. The ultimate, of the greatest of the greatest rabbis had the Shmiha. So then here comes Jesus. Jesus of Nazareth, who at the age of 12, he knew the Torah so well that he was teaching the religious leaders in the temple what God's word said. Here is Jesus who, who throughout the scriptures say, say, say phrases like this, have you, you have heard it said, but I say to you. We see in Matthew chapter 7, the, the people were amazed at his teaching because he taught with Shemihah. He taught with authority. We see later, before they crucify him, that the scribes and the Pharisees were were always asking him, where did he get his authority? Where do you get your shmiha? So we have Jesus Christ, 
the rabbi of rabbis, Jesus who has the shmiha. He is the one that comes and he calls Peter. He calls Andrew, James, and John. He says, come, follow me. And they drop everything and follow him, amen? Kind of makes a little bit more sense, but now as we look back at that scripture, it tells us, and it's plain to see that Peter and Andrew and James and John, they, they were fishermen. So, so what does that tell us about them? Well, it tells us one thing for sure is that, that they didn't make the cut. They, they, they didn't go all the way through Torah school. They didn't, they didn't make it to go and find a rabbi of their own. What, what we see here and what we understand, and we can't pass over this, is, is that we have to understand that, that Jesus, when, when choosing his team that would change the course of the world, Jesus chose the B team. Amen? Jesus chose the B team as his starters. And, 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 you know, it makes sense to us now that, that the rabbi with Shmiha called these men to follow him. And they jumped at the chance to follow him and to learn from him. Matthew chapter 4, Jesus is not always going to choose the best, but he is going to choose the willing. John MacArthur put it this way in talking about Jesus choosing his disciples. He said, in choosing his disciples, Jesus skipped all of the wise men of the day. The great scholars were in Egypt. The great library was in Alexandria. The great philosophers were in Athens. The most powerful were in Rome. He passed Herodias, the the historian. He passed Socrates, the great thinker. He passed Julius Caesar, the great ruler. He chose men to be his disciples that were so ordinary it is comical. Not a single rabbi or teacher or religious expert, not even a synagogue ruler. Most were fishermen. One was an IRS agent and the other one a former terrorist. So, let's see. God chose the B team. And why did God choose the B team? Is because... He doesn't need our abilities. Do you, you understand what I'm saying there? He, 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 he's not looking for the best and the greatest. He is looking for the willing and the humble, the, the, the one who is going to follow him and not question. He, listen, believers, Jesus can do more through the weak vessel who surrenders himself unto him than he can do through anybody else in the world. You know, the Bible is true when it says, when I am weak, he is strong. Can you praise the Lord on that? Jesus teaches this in Matthew chapter 11. 
in verse 11. You know, it was no secret who Jesus' favorite preacher was. It wasn't Billy Graham, all right? Jesus' favorite preacher was John the Baptist. In Matthew chapter 11, Jesus says these words, Truly I say to you, among those born of women, there has arisen no one greater than John the Baptist. That's Jesus talking. He's, he's declaring that there is nobody greater than John the Baptist. But get these words that he says next. Yet the one who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. What does that mean? The least in the kingdom of heaven. The, the, the person who is who knows Jesus Christ and loves Jesus Christ, who is a part of the kingdom of heaven, but has the least amount of talent, the least amount of knowledge, who is the least personable person that you know, who is the least eloquent person that you know, who has the least amount of spiritual gifts that you know. Is that you? Just check it. All right, are we talking about you this morning? I don't know, I don't know. But if we are, if we are talking about you, if you are the least in the kingdom of heaven, get this, understand this, rejoice in this, that God can do more through you than he even did through John the Baptist. Come on. Oh. You have more potential in you as a believer in Jesus Christ to do awesome and amazing things when you surrender your life unto Christ and when you allow him to work in your life. Listen, my friends, Jesus didn't choose you for your ability. He didn't choose you for your talent. He didn't choose you because you look pretty. He chose you because... He loved you and you humbled yourself before him and you called him Lord. Jesus wants to do amazing works in your life and he is able to do amazing works in your life through his spirit. Through a a willing and submitted vessel, he is able to do unimaginable works. There's possibility that you just submitting yourself to Christ could lead more people to Christ than the most eloquent, polished preacher there ever was. Listen again, my friends. You are wonderfully and beautifully made. But you aren't wonderfully and beautifully made because of anything you've done. It's because of how God made you. You are awesome because he has made you awesome. And God is awesome and he is able to do amazing things through a vessel that will allow him to work through them, to bring him glory. He did not choose you because you were the best. He he chose you because you were willing and he loves you. God can use each and every one of us that submit unto him. Over the last couple of weeks, we've talked about and we've seen why Jesus came. He came to seek and save the lost. Amen? 
And, and, and as believers in this room, you have to know this. We know this because we all were lost before we came to him, amen? We all were uh, dying of our sins. We were all separated from Christ until we came to know him, came to know his love. And he moved upon us. And when he did that, we, we submitted ourselves to him and the Holy Spirit came into us and we became his. We became his and we are to become disciples. Meaning, we are to become like him. Amen? Let me ask you this question this morning. Is the dust of your rabbi on you? When people see you, do they see Jesus? God did not save us for the purpose of going to heaven alone. He saved us to bring him glory. And his glory is magnified by every person that comes unto know him as Lord and Savior. That is why we have the Great Commission. That is why Jesus called us and told us and gave us a purpose in this life. He says, go therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all I have commanded. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. And not only does he give us this commandment, uh, this commission to go forth, but the the Bible also describes the purpose to those who are his disciples. In John chapter 15, verses 7 and 8, Jesus said this, If you abide in me and my word abides in you, ask whatever you wish and, and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit. And so, prove to be my disciples. Are you a disciple of Jesus Christ? Do you love the Lord with your heart? Or is there a longing inside you to know him more and more? Are are you getting into the word of God daily? Are you meeting with other believers uh, to dive deeper into the word of God and, and to answer those questions that you have? Do you find yourself praying to God and asking him for direction daily? And in that day, are you finding times where God is pointing you to, to do good for other people? Are you obeying his commandments? Are you following him? Are you investing in all, in all that he is doing? Are you investing your time, your talent, your treasure into the kingdom of God? Are you doing it so that the fullness of God's kingdom can be glorified here where we are right now? Only you can answer that question truthfully. Today, church, I am calling us by the Spirit of God, not myself. I'm calling us all to dive deeper into being disciples. Being Christ's disciples. I'm asking us to do whatever Christ says for us to do. 
whatever that may look like. From you, that might look like joining a Sunday night uh, Bible study. It might be like uh, uh, finding an accountability partner that, that will keep you accountable in reading your scriptures daily and talking about those and, and, and talking about the things of God. Maybe it's joining some other kind of Bible study. Maybe it's joining a Wednesday, or Wednesday night Bible study. Maybe, maybe it's joining a Sunday school class or, or a small group that you, you can find and, 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 and people can teach and, and, and enrich you in what the scriptures are saying. Maybe that's joining some of the ministries that we have here at this church. Only God and you know what God wants you to do, but I know this, God is calling us to be in his service. Are you going to commit yourself to be his disciple or not? The second thing we're calling us to do today is to think about others. Over the next few weeks, we're going to push a a theme called Who's Your One? Every one of us knows somebody who doesn't know the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior or knows somebody who has fallen away from Jesus Christ. Who's your one? God may be calling you to a whole more than one. But I know each and every one of us have one. And there's some different things that we want to do. We want to hold each other accountable. We want to pray for each other. So that's why we have up here on, on, on the stage these vases. And, and already you'll see that in the bottom of the vases there are some ping pong balls. Maybe you, you looked at the uh, table there on the back that kind of describes that. And Anyway, th- this is just an opportunity for the church to come together and to pray for everybody's one. On every ping pong ball, you can put uh, an, an initial of somebody or the name of somebody, however you want to do it, but, but you just take those and whenever you want to, you come and you place them there. And then as we join together as a church, we're going to pray over these. Uh, the, and we're not praying over ping pong balls. We're praying over people. People that need the Lord. People who are dying and headed for a separation from God. People need the Lord. And we have been given the commission to go and take the gospel to them. Are you a disciple? Are you making disciples? Who's your one? Let's pray. Father, I just come to you this morning. I'm just so burdened. burden for the kingdom god there there's so many lures out there as we were teaching those kids this morning that just want to take their attention they want to drive them away and they're driving them away into different things but all of it just comes back to you they're driving them away from you god i thank you for your awesome love for us that was portrayed by you coming and dying upon the cross for our sins, that in doing that to give us grace upon grace. God, you're so good. 
But so many people are being deceived in this world. Father, would you help us? Would you, would you spark among us an urgency to see people as you see them, to love people as you love them, and to show people the truth of who you are by living our lives like you. Father, I, I, I pray this morning that your spirit would just engulf this place, that you would speak unto each and every heart. Father, maybe there's one here today that doesn't know you. They're on that wrong path, but you're calling out their name. Father, if you're touching them, I pray that today as, as we end this service and we all stand and we begin to pray and sing, God, Lord, that they would run down this aisle and, Lord, we would show them in your word how they are saved through your name. And, Father, we pray that same thing as, as we lead up into this crusade coming in several weeks. Father, that you would do an amazing work amongst the people. And there will be a great harvest unto you to bring you glory, O oh Lord. God, we pray this in Jesus' name.